sometimes we call uh, the practice that we do insight meditation. Although I've never really liked that title, uh, it is a practice of developing insight. Our practice is a practice of developing wisdom. I could say that's one of the primary goals of the practice is to achieve wisdom, to develop wisdom. Now, it's an interesting thing, this idea of wisdom. Uh, we tend our habit, in many ways, the way we were brought up in our cultural habit is to look for wisdom outside of ourselves. So uh, the idea sort of is that I don't have wisdom, I need to get it from some kind of external source. So that may be from another person, it may be from a book, it may be from listening to a talk, that I might get wisdom. We tend to look outside of ourselves, but wisdom in the practice of the Buddha, the Dharma, is found inside. It's found inside, or at least liberating wisdom, the wisdom that leads to freedom from suffering, the wisdom that leads to true happiness, the wisdom that is true happiness, is found only one place, and that's inside of ourselves. So our habit is to look in the wrong place. We look outside of ourselves, the idea being sometimes, wow, I'm going to get wisdom from the Dharma talk, but really you have wisdom within yourself. The Dharma talk is really just to help you look within and find the wisdom, understand the wisdom that you have inside of yourself. So we need what we sometimes call wise beings. We need teachers to learn from the primary learning that we're doing in a Dharma talk or in listening to a teacher uh, is to learn different skills, learn what to look for when we look inside of ourselves. So the skills that we're developing really are in the service of looking inside of ourselves, inside of ourselves. So you know, I'm always really conscious of that when I prepare a talk or when I prepare a course and when I think about teaching what I'm going to teach, uh, my job is not to impart information to you uh, so that you can memorize it. Uh, you know, and sometimes that can be fun. And again, it's, it can have some use for us if it helps us look inside. But really, my job is to teach in a way that moves you to do what you need to do to take the action and develop the skills that you need to develop to be able to look inside of yourselves, to look inside of yourselves. Now, the Buddha, uh, it said after uh, his disciples studied with him for five years, he would send them off on their own because he didn't want them to become dependent on him. And of course, if you get the Buddha as a teacher, you know, you're probably going to become fairly dependent on him. And, you know, and the idea being, well, I've got to get what I need from the Buddha. But he wanted them to find the wisdom inside of themselves. One of the more poignant stories that's correlative to that is the story of the Buddha's main attendant, Ananda, 
who was very dependent on the Buddha, so dependent on the Buddha that he was one of the few, if not only, of the Buddha's closest disciples who didn't become awakened while the Buddha was still alive. Ananda actually didn't become awakened until after the Buddha died. And of course, the Buddha offered Ananda that teaching when Ananda said, what are we going to do when you're here? We're not here. And the Buddha said, you don't need me. You know, you have the teachings to help you know what you need to do, but you have to find the light within yourself. Be a lamp, be a light unto yourself. And then he said, develop the practices of mindfulness so that you can do that, so that you can know the wisdom inside of yourself. So we hear the Dharma, we come to a Dharma talk, we read a book, we hear the Dharma, if it's the teaching on the Four Noble Truths, the truth of suffering, and all the teachings sort of come under this umbrella of the truth of suffering, the truth of letting go of suffering and what we need to do to let go of suffering, and the truth of the end of suffering. Uh, you know, and, and you know, I would say that all of you have had today an experience of those elements of truth and you've connected to those truths within yourself in some way, perhaps to some extent unbeknownst to you, where you didn't make that correlation between the wisdom inside of yourself that was, uh, that was activated, that was, uh, that was uh, accessible to you, that you developed today, but I would say that you all did. You all did, but you know a lot of the time, of course, we're not looking within. But retreats, of course, an experience in which we're asked to look within. So a lot of times we hear the Dharma, we hear the Dharma, we hear teachings like the Four Noble Truths, and our tendency is to think about the teachings, to think about the teachings. And of course, there's some thinking about the teachings has to take place. But for a lot of us, you know, we hear the Dharma, we read, and then we think about it. And, you know, and again, this is sort of the way that we were brought up. You know, if you want to develop wisdom, think, you know, go to school, get information, go to the Dharma talk, get information, and then think about it. And then by thinking about it, you will come to develop understanding, right? We all kind of fall into that trap. You know, you come to the class on Sunday or Thursday or you listen to this Dharma talk and you think that, well, I heard, I got this information. If I think about it enough, then I'll develop wisdom. And maybe I'm not thinking about it right. You know? But the kind of wisdom that the path leads us to, the liberating wisdom, isn't going to come by thinking about the teachings. It's only going to come by looking within yourself. Really, that transcends thinking. Thinking gets in our way. Thinking gets in our way. So again, the thinking that we do is in support of developing the skills that we need to develop in support of guiding us within, uh, guiding us towards what we need to look at when we go within. But the wisdom is inside. The wisdom is inside. So really, a Dharma talk, uh, 
I mean, my teacher always likes to say, or often likes to say, Tan Jeff, you know, just focus on the breath. Don't listen to the talk so much, but just focus on the breath. The idea being what you really learn and understand, you're going to learn in the heart, not in the head. So the truth of the talk really goes to the heart, goes to the heart. We find the Dharma inside in the heart. So we all have this Dharma inside. We all have this wisdom within us. It's what Ajahn Chah, the great Thai master, called the one who knows. And we all have the one who knows within us. All the wisdom that you need in this life in order to be happy is already within you. It's already within you. There's a one who knows inside of you. It's inside. It's in the body. It's in the body. It's in the body. It's in the heart or the chitta. The Thais believe you know, the chitta, which is this heart-mind, uh, is right here. So the Thais believe the mind is right here. You know, the chitta, the place of wisdom, is right here. It's in the body. It's in the body right here. It's that what Ajahn Mahaboa says, you know, in concentration, your awareness converges in the chitta. So some of you may have had that experience today. In the concentration, your awareness came into the chitta and you saw things, you understood things, you connected to the heart. So this place of wisdom is within us. This is the wisdom that will set us free. This is liberating wisdom. It's the wisdom inside. That's what liberating wisdom is. It's the wisdom that will enable us to end suffering. It's the wisdom that will enable us to find happiness in our lives. So the wisdom is inside of us. Now really, the, one of the very big problems, trying to find a nicer way of putting it, that we have is that uh, we are hesitant, we are reluctant to look inside of ourselves because we don't have much faith in ourselves. We don't have much conviction in ourselves. So it's like, you know more than I do, I'm going to listen to what you say, you know, instead of looking inside of ourselves because we lack faith in ourselves. We lack faith in our own wisdom. We lack faith in our goodness. We, la have, we lack faith in what's inside of us. So we have to develop confidence in what's inside of us. We have to develop confidence in ourselves. We have to develop conviction, faith in what's inside of us, in our goodness, in our wisdom. Because it's, a, you know, it's like if you don't really have faith and belief in yourself and what you have inside of yourself, all of that wisdom that you have, which is all that you need, is going to go untapped because you're not going to look inside of yourselves. It's like if there was somebody who you didn't have much faith in, a person, you know, hopefully you wouldn't go to them, you know, for answers. Well, we don't go to the person that we really need to go to for the answers because we don't have faith in that person. In other words, ourselves. 
So we have to develop faith in ourselves. We have to develop an awareness and an appreciation for our goodness and for our wisdom. So that, you know, we all kind of want wisdom, but there's things that we need to do in order to be able to develop it, in order to be able to connect to it. And one of the most important things, and it's really the first thing that the path teaches us, is to feel good about ourselves, start to develop some confidence in ourselves and what we have that's inside of ourselves. So we can think about what we have inside of ourselves as our goodness. So in order to develop confidence in ourselves uh, and in our goodness, we have to cultivate our goodness. We have to cultivate our goodness. So it's sort of like if you want to develop faith in another person, you know, that person is going to have to do certain things so that you can have faith in them. The Buddha said you need to know somebody for a while and really be around them for a while so that you know what kind of person they are. So you need to act in a way in which you get to know that you have, your, you have goodness. Now, of course, we've been doing that. To some extent, we can always do more in terms of cultivating our goodness. It all starts with generosity, right? The Buddha said this is the easiest way to begin to cultivate your goodness so that you begin to start to feel good about yourself, so you begin to start to have some self-esteem, so you begin to start to understand that you have a goodness within, that you have wisdom within. So we practice generosity. The next thing we do is practice non-harming. Because if we're harming other people and harming ourselves, we don't feel good about ourselves. Who wants to look for wisdom from somebody who's harming other people? You know, that's not the person we want to look to wisdom for. Politicians notwithstanding. Uh, so, uh, you know, we, we develop, we feel good about ourselves when we practice non-harming, you know? I mean, this is, this is such an important element of, of our goodness and of our wisdom. So we practice non-harming. And we practice developing skillful action. This is why, and this is the first, this is what the Buddha taught his son when Rahula was seven years old. Pay attention to your actions. You know, he didn't give him the wisdom teachings until he was 18. First, feel really good about yourself so that you know you have inside of yourself all the goodness and wisdom that you need. And then eventually you can start to develop it. So he said, pay attention to your actions, pay attention to your speech, pay attention to your thinking. Abandon any actions that aren't serving you and others. When we do that, we feel good about ourselves. We understand that we have a goodness inside of ourselves. Now our meditation practice in and of itself is an expression of our goodness. So just the fact that we are meditating is an indication of our goodness. I mean, just coming here and being here from 10 to 5, you know, I mean, that's a good thing. I mean, you're doing something that's good. You're doing something that's good. There's a lot of things. You're doing something that's noble. This is a noble endeavor coming here. There's a lot of other things that you can do that aren't going to be such an, today, that 
aren't going to be such an expression of your goodness. I mean, you could have gone to the movies. You, know, you could have done a lot of other things. Were they, would they be on the level of what we did today in terms of being representative of our goodness? I mean, what you did today is extraordinary. It's extraordinary just to come here and do this. I mean, think about that. See, that's the thing. We don't think about it, right? We don't think about it. We don't acknowledge what we're doing in being here. We don't acknowledge what we're doing in being here. So, you know, we have to do these things. We have to practice generosity, practice non-harming, practice skillful action. We have to take noble actions like coming here, and then we have to acknowledge them. See, there tends to be a big gap between our good actions, our actions that are an expression of our goodness, the things that we do that are exemplary, the things that we do that exemplify our goodness and our wisdom and our acknowledgement of them. There's a big gap there for us. So that's something that we really have to attend to, is that gap. We tend to not notice our goodness or often downgrade it. You know? It's like I could say to you, you know, I mean, what an, what, what an extraordinary thing that you've done in coming here today. Something that's so extraordinary, you know, to take this time of your life to cultivate your heart and how it affects the people in your life and the people in the world. And we can say, and you know, and some of us are probably saying, ah, it's not such a big deal. Eh, I just came here and I meditated. What's the big deal? See, there's a real gap there for a lot of us. There's a real disconnect. So one of the things the Buddha emphasized was, you know, bridging that gap. You have to learn to acknowledge your goodness. You have to learn to appreciate what you are, who you are, what you have inside of yourselves. This is such an important, important, important element of the path. So this acknowledgement and appreciation for our goodness is something that has to be developed. It has to be developed. I mean, it's very counterintuitive for us because we tend to downgrade the things that we do that are good and we tend to downgrade ourselves. So, you know, we have to, you know, change that pattern. Buddha, and, 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 and he said, these are the key reflections. You know, there's certain things you need to reflect on. And amongst the most important reflections that he encouraged were the reflections on your own goodness. I mean, you know, and he wasn't one, you know, I mean, he was really able to distill things down to this is what's really important. He said, these are, there's certain things that you should reflect on. You should reflect on your generosity. You should reflect on your virtue. In this particular passage, he's speaking to the householder Mahanama, and he's delineating certain things that Mahanama should reflect on, and one of them, of course, is his generosity. And he says, furthermore, there is the case where you recollect your generosity. This next part is in quotes. He's modeling for Mahanama how he should reflect on his generosity. 
There is the case where you reflect on your own generosity. Is it, it is a gain, a great gain for me, that among people overcome with the stain of possessiveness, I live at home, my awareness cleansed of the stain of possessiveness, freely generous, open-handed, delighting in being magnanimous, responsive to requests, delighting in the distribution of arms, alms. I always say that. <laughs> he says that one who does this mahanama, it is said, among those who are one out of tune, the disciple of the noble one dwells in tune. So this is how you become in tune with the dharma, is by reflecting on your goodness in this way. And in another sutta, he's also addressing Mahanama, and he says, Mahanama, you should reflect, develop this recollection of generosity while you are walking, while you are standing, while you are sitting, while you are lying down, while you are busy at work, while you are resting in your home crowded with children. So the parents here don't have an opt-out, you know? <laughs> it's like, you know, he's saying, these are the things that you should be thinking about. These are the things that you should be thinking about. So, you know, we may begin to do this, right? I mean, you know, there's several people here that have recently done the beginner's course, the new student's course, and you know, in the first class, you know, we kind of teach this, right? We teach reflect on your goodness, brighten your mind. Uh, and many of us have been doing this for a while in fits and starts and some more than others. Uh, and what we tend to start, what we tend to experience is that, you know, we reflect we say the words, but oftentimes, at least at first, they're just words. You know, they kind of fall flat, if you will. So we say the words, but you know, they're the affect or the uh, there's a disconnect between saying the words and really believing it. Let's put it that way. There's a disconnect between saying the words and knowing, knowing that it's true. It's not really about believing that it's true, it's knowing that it's true. So there's a disconnect, you know, there's that gap between, you know, I have, you know, a goodness, you know, and let me appreciate and be grateful for my goodness. You know, so there's a gap between saying that and knowing that, knowing that. So that gap also has to be bridged. So how do we bridge that gap? How do we bridge that gap? We start to feel good about ourselves so that we can kind of start to meditate. And through the practice of meditation, we can deepen into an understanding and appreciation of our goodness, deepen into an understanding and appreciation of the wisdom that we have in the heart deepen into an appreciation and of understanding of what we have within us. I mean, this is so important in terms of what meditation is all about. It's not just about feeling the breath. That wouldn't be, I wouldn't be here if that's all it was about, you know? There's a lot more, and what we're doing here, you know, uh, in large part is about putting ourselves in a position so that we can know the truth about our lives and who we are. And an important part of that is knowing and understanding 
our goodness, knowing and understanding that we have inside of ourselves this wisdom. So we begin to understand and to know the truth of this in the silence, right? So, you know, we're cut off from a real knowing, you know, because knowing is in the heart. We're cut off from a real knowing the truth of our goodness, the truth of what we have inside of ourselves because we're too busy looking at the smartphone. We're too busy watching the television. We're too busy reading the newspaper, right? So we come here, put those things to the side. So I know that television show is really important, but you know what, maybe once a month, for seven hours, for 25 people in New York City, we're gonna, ref we're gonna meditate so that we can begin to know the truth of our hearts. We can begin to know the truth of what's within us. Now, everybody here has probably experienced that today. I mean, I know some people came into the interviews and said, talked about you know, connecting to you know, the heart, connecting to what's inside of ourselves. You know, and, and I think all of us do and did today on some level, part of what the Dharma talk is about, of course, is pointing you towards that, pointing you towards that. So we come here, we put all those things to the side and then we get here and then the instruction is try to put your thinking to the side. It's kind of a renunciation internally so we develop that exter inter external silence and then we practice developing an internal silence. You know, because typically we're in the head. We're in the head, you can't know what's in the heart. You don't know what's in the body. Typically we're lost in thought. So a lot of what we're learning to do here is to let go of the thinking, come out of the thought worlds, come to the breath, and the body and the heart. Come to the breath, the body, and the heart. <clears throat> we begin this journey inside, inside. See, mindfulness of the breath is really comes under the aegis of mindfulness of the body. So we begin this journey inside into the body by being mindful of the breath and we begin to open up to the body. Uh, as we develop mindfulness of breathing, very importantly, the Buddha said, it has to include a full body awareness. It has to include a full body awareness. So uh, many of you work on a full body awareness in your meditation. Some of you who are newer, uh, this is, I guess, a commercial to take the next level of instruction and develop that uh, skill of opening up to the full body, the full body, the full body. Why is it important to open up to the full body? Well, there's a lot of reasons, but one of the thing, reasons is, is that it's within the body that we know the truth of who we are and what we are, that we begin to know the truth of our goodness. So we open up to this full body awareness. So we develop a sensitivity to the body, a sensitivity to the body. You know, and in the sensitivity to the body, the Buddha is really clear about this. Uh, it includes 
a sensitivity to the physical aspect of the body, but of course the mental, the emotional, the psychological, and ultimately the uh, transcendent qualities of mind slash heart that we find in the body. So sometimes we use the word felt sense, felt sense. Felt sense is a good word. You know, felt sense is something that we're really asked to, to develop. Felt sense is that, again, that felt experience of the body here, right now in this moment. So it includes the physical felt sense of the body, but the felt sense that we know within the body of our human experience in this moment. We all have a felt experience of our lives, our existence within this moment. Like being here right now, sitting here right now. And of course it includes not just this moment. It's like I said at the very beginning of the day, we've been, I've been doing retreats here first as a, as a volunteer and then and a yogi and as a teacher since 1998. You know, my felt sense, my felt experience of sitting here right now includes every time I've been here. It includes when this room looked a lot different before they remodeled it and there were those big posters on the wall. It includes all the tears I shed in this room and all the laughter and all the people that I was with. My life, right here. Some of you have been in this room many times. You can feel that, right? You can feel that. I can feel that. We have a felt sense of being with each other. It would be a lot different if nobody was here, right? You'd feel differently. Your felt sense would be differently. Different, right? Sometimes, you know, you know, Tina or John or Joan, who you pretty much come every month, aren't here, and it feels different. It feels different. Where are they? You know? So that's that's the kind of sensitivity that we develop in our practice. I mean, I'm just pointing out to you what we need to know, and of course, that awareness of the body you know, is something that we develop through meditation and creating conditions of silence so that we have that kind of awareness. So we're aware of the body, we have a felt sense of what it is to be here, and that enables us to have this sensitivity to the heart and to our innate wisdom. That enables us to be sensitive to the truth of our goodness, to the truth of what we have inside of ourselves. So even right now, in this moment, if we come into the body, can we know that truth of our goodness? Can you sense that? See, that's what we're asked to do. And once we begin to know that we have this goodness, then we are more and more inclined to be with ourselves, to come inside, to come into the heart, and not to look outside of ourselves. So we develop this sensitivity to the truth of our goodness. 
We develop this ability to acknowledge our goodness, to appreciate it, to know it, to know the truth of it. I mean, it's the best way that I can describe it is to know the truth of it. We know it in the heart. We know it in the heart. You know, so at first, it, maybe it's just a flicker. It's just this little, little flicker in the heart. It's like right now, there may be just a flicker of knowing. And that's what we start with, right? You know, we build on that. We build on that. You know, you can begin to know that, experience that as just that little flicker, and you build on that, and you develop from there. You know, I remember in my own practice, uh, you know, doing the reflections and acknowledging my goodness and making such an effort to cultivate it through practice of generosity, etc. And then one day on a retreat, sitting down and brightening the mind, and I felt it in the heart. It's true. I do have a goodness. I do have everything inside of myself. It's like, holy shit. <laughs> it's like one of those holy shit moments. You know? But that's what we're asked to have. You know, that's why we're here. Sometimes it's just a little flicker. Sometimes we're not really sure, right? It's like, did I just experience a knowing of my goodness, you know? Or was that just a little uh, muscle spasm? You know? And of course, then our attitude is good enough. You know, good enough. You know, good enough is really like a surrender to faith. It's like, I'm gonna take it on faith that it's true. It's a surrender to faith. So we come to know our goodness in the heart. We come to know our goodness in the heart. We come to know the truth of it. And as we come to know our goodness in the heart, we begin to look more and more inside of ourselves for what we need. We begin to look more and more inside of ourselves for wisdom. We become more and more inclined to come inside. We come inside of ourselves and we look inside of ourselves to know the truth. The truth of the Dharma, the truth of our suffering, the truth of what we need to do to end our suffering, the truth of what we need to do to know true happiness, the truth of true happiness, that there is a true happiness in this life. This is, a, this is such a beautiful event, if you will, in our practice. You know, it's like when you start to turn in. You know, it's like all of our lives, we're looking outside of ourselves, and then you start to look inside of yourself. It's such a beautiful, beautiful time in practice when we begin to start to rely on the heart. We begin to start to rely on what's inside of ourselves. We begin to rely, start to rely on our own wisdom, the wisdom that's inside of us. It's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like dancing. It's like you don't even think about what the steps are. You just 
surrender to your natural rhythm or the music inside of yourself. The Buddha called it internal assurance. Internal assurance. It's like I have this wisdom inside of myself and I know that it's there and that's what I rely on. Transcends the thinking mind. So beautiful in part because it's like, oh God, I don't have to think so much anymore. You know, and then, and, and then less and less, you don't even have to read the Dharma books. And you have to go to the Dharma talks. But, you know, it's like, because it's all inside, you know? The Dharma's inside. The Dharma's inside. Think of all the money you can save on, on books. So what happens when we come inside is that You know, we come to the truth of what we are or who we are as human beings in this human life. Because it's all right inside of ourselves, the truth of what we are and who we are. And what happens is that we're able to become who we are. What happens is we become who we are. 